look at you, girl. Walking around, confidence and a smile. No one can take the crown. Bask in her glory. A crown tells a story of the queen that dwells inside. Yeah. A crown. Adjust your crown, sis. Respect the crown. All right. Welcome, welcome, welcome to a new episode of Her Crown Podcast. Welcome, ladies. We have a few guests with us this week, and we are going to kick it off and let each person introduce themselves. We'll start with Elizabeth. Hi, my name is Elizabeth Gibson. I was an NFL cheerleader um, many moons ago. My first season was 2003, and I uh, was on the team for five years up through the 2007 NFL season. All right. Thank you, Elizabeth. And next, we'll move on to Mackenzie. Hi, my name is Mackenzie Pitts, and I'm a former Baltimore Ravens cheerleader of four years. All right. Welcome, Mackenzie. And next, we'll go to Paige. Hey guys, my name is Paige and I was a dancer with the Houston Rockets from 2011 until 2016, so five seasons and currently living in Houston. All right. Thank you, Paige. Welcome, ladies. We really appreciate you guys coming on and being on our podcast with us. This week, we're going to delve into the world of dance and cheer in professional men's sports. So the first question we'd like to ask you ladies is what sparked your interest in dance slash cheering? And when did you decide you wanted to dance or cheer at the professional sports level? I'll give it a go. (laughs) So I grew up um, doing cheering and gymnastics all through first grade through middle school, high school. Um, I cheered at West Virginia University on the competitive team um, for a short amount of time as well. Um, I also grew up in the football Sunday atmosphere, um, always had been a Ravens fan. So I always knew that my end goal in my cheerleading career would be the NFL. So I tried out in 2015 and 2016, and I made it to the final round both years. Um, Our tryouts are a month long. So I made it to the final round both years, but didn't make the team. And then I finally made the team in 2017. Awesome. What's your story, Paige? Yeah, so uh, like Mackenzie, you know, I grew up doing gymnastics and competitive dance and competitive cheerleading in high school. And I knew I wanted to be a cheerleader in college. So I auditioned for um, the University of Houston cheerleading team and made it. And, you know, I also grew up, my family loves football, watching football, and I knew I wanted to be an NFL cheerleader or NBA dancer. The NBA wasn't really on my radar at the time because I kind of grew up mostly watching football. Um, But the Rockets were having tryouts before the Texans were that year. I think I had just missed the Texans auditions. Um, So I thought, you know, I'll give it a go. I was still cheering for the University of Houston. It was my second season. And I was like, you know, I just want to give it a go and get um, experience auditioning for a professional teams. So I'm just going to try out for the Rockets and see how it goes. And I ended up making the team and it was a wonderful experience. And um, I just fell in love with the NBA and the NBA style of dancing. And um, so continued to do that for the next five seasons. And it's kind of how I got into it. Awesome. Would you say that you have a similar shared experience, Elizabeth? Yes, very similar. I grew up dancing since I was five and loved it, did competitive dancing. It's always wanted to be in the dance studio. So what I always wanted to do and I'm standing there, I'm always dancing. So dance is really my passion. I, different from them, started with dance and then flipped to cheer. Mm. Um, And then in junior high and high school, went into cheerleading. It was really, really enjoyed cheerleading. It was on a competitive team as well. And my goal was to go to Sam Houston State and be on the all-girl cheer squad because they had a really good team. Mm-hmm. And that summer before my freshman year, they took away the all-girl team and, and they weren't funded anymore. And at the time, the Sam Houston State team had a really great dance team. 
and also a really great all, uh, a co-ed competitive cheer team, but I at that time was way too tall to be on the co-ed team, mm -hmm. and I hadn't done traditional dance in so long that I also wasn't really able to do that, which kind of left a void because I was thinking I was going in expecting to do that, but I really wasn't qualified to do either one. So I was just taking regular dance classes through college, and then the Texans became a new team in 2001. They they reinstated the franchise in Houston as the Houston Texans. And so they were having tryouts for that inaugural squad. And I was like, you know what? I'm going to go to that. And that one was where there was 3,000 people there because there was tons of Oh, my goodness. <laughs> and it was held at, like, you know, gallery furnitures, tennis club. It was a big ordeal. And right. I'm thinking, like, oh, I'm just going to go show up and go. And I actually did make it to the very end. And I was naive at the time about what the expectations were, because obviously mm -hmm. you practice many times a week and there's the games. And I was a sophomore in college at that time. And so I told my mom, you know, what? I can't do this. There's no way I can do that and stay at Sam Houston. I'm not going to quit college to go try to do this. So I just, I didn't go back to tryouts, actually, even though I had made it to the finals, I just went back to school and, and kind of kept it in the back of my mind. So my senior year was their next tryout. Um, and that was the 03 season. And I made it that season. So I was on the second round of cheerleaders for the Houston Texans after the inaugural season. Awesome. Now I'm in, I find it interesting. Like a lot of you were involved in competitive dancing, competitive cheering, and some of you did some gymnastics. Um, but we don't really see that. Like when, when we think about the other side of the game, when we think about the cheering squads, you know, we usually kind of just see them on the sidelines, very beautiful, cute outfits, doing their little routines. But you don't see that, you know, that athletic competitive nature of cheering. Would you say that there is any aspect of that in the professional level of cheering? And if it isn't, is it something that you miss? Is it what you expected going into it? I'll speak from the stunt perspective. Um, mm -hmm. I know dance is just as hard, probably mm -hmm. more cardio focused. Um, stunt for us was very challenging physically. Um, we had to run a timed mile, which I never made. <laughs> and, oh, wow. <laughs> um, we had long, intense training camps, um, long practices. And on game day, we practice before the game. So game mm -hmm. day is like an eight to 10 hour day. Um, and then with stunt, we also lift other girls. Um, so I was a mid layer. So a lot of strength involved yeah. in that too. So it definitely surpassed what I thought. Um, even already being a cheerleader, looking up to the NFL cheerleaders before I made the team, you know, you're right. They, they look beautiful mm -hmm. and they're in their cute uniforms and, um, you forget that that aspect is there, but it's definitely a big one. I saw you shaking your head, Piz. Did you have anything to add? Yeah, I feel like um, kind of with the tumbling and the acrobatics and, you know, some of those technique skills, the leaps and jumps, those are really utilized in auditions, I think, a lot mm. of times to set yourself apart to make the team. And then a lot of times I found for the Rockets, the audition dances and the skills they asked you to do were a lot harder than what you're actually performing in game. Mm. Um, so that was kind of interesting. So I could tumble and I would always do that at auditions just to kind of set myself apart. And, you know, usually there's only a handful of girls that could tumble. And right. so then that helped me kind of make the team. I think, you know, you have an advantage or a little edge. Um, but yeah, so I was, um, I did co-ed cheerleading in college. So, you know, men, male stunters and then one female stunter. And that was a lot of, you know, physicality and required um but dancing I mean those games you're non-stop for three hours and mm. before then with practices before game and the cardio aspect of that is definitely challenging I did not much expect going into it I was like I said didn't really watch NBA basketball growing up and uh, I was just really kind of fascinated by the NFL cheerleaders because that's what I had watched and so I honestly had no idea what to expect going into being a professional dancer for the NBA and it's a, it's a lot of work and it was a lot uh, more work than I think I would have realized. <laughs> <laughs> what would you say some of the demands were that you weren't expecting and even the ones that you maybe were expecting that were just different? Um, probably the time 
Mm. aspect. I mean, you're required to either have a full-time job or be a full-time student. Um, And I think it's similar across the board, Elizabeth McKenzie, for you guys too, um, for NFL as well. But so on top of your, you know, 40 hour work week, you're doing three days of practices in the evenings a week or at least three hours a piece. And then for the NBA, you might have three games, two or three games in one week. So that's seven hour days at the arena because you're showing up four hours before tip off and you have practice before and then you have the game and you're not out till 1030. And so I think the time aspect was a Mm. little of um, an eye-opening experience. But of course, you're just on the grind and you're young and you have this adrenaline and you're just going and you're loving it. So it's a lot of fun, but it's a lot of hard work. So I think the time aspect of it was kind of a shock. And was it similar for the NFL, like on game days? I'm sorry, go yes. ahead, Elizabeth. <laughs> yes, definitely. And I say because not in addition to the time of the um, practices and the physical dance, actual dancing part is the community uh, outreach part. We mm. were expected it kept it increased year over year um, with the Texans, but I want to say we started off having to do 30 appearances a year. That was our minimum requirement. Um, and most appearances were two hours plus, you know, drive time and getting ready. So it equates to at most people were doing at least one appearance a week on average. In addition, like to what Paige was saying, practice, and then you had to be a full-time student or a full, have a full-time job. And then I think one of the things that I didn't realize going into it and that a lot of people don't realize, and I, that was unique to the Texans is because they were a new franchise they were very focused on the community outreach and building that brand. Mm. So they were very strict about um, who they hired onto the team. And in fact, they prioritized people that did have a full-time job because by that time you've had some work experience, you right. were very good communicating. Um, and they prioritized people that had high level jobs because they wanted to make sure they had people that could position the team well um, mm-hmm. when asked upon. So I think people don't realize that it's, very different than college or high school cheerleading where you're doing it for a hobby and it truly is more of a job and the team's pretty specific about who they hire. Mm. Wow. Was it a similar experience for you, Mackenzie, with the Baltimore organization? Yeah. And Elizabeth had a good point with the community outreach. Um, We as well had to do a lot of that, um, which we loved doing but it is very time consuming and you may have an appearance that's an hour long that Mm. you're, maybe being paid for, maybe not. Um, And so you have an hour of getting ready, maybe an hour-ish, depending where you're coming from, drive there, an hour appearance, an hour drive back. So there's four hours for an hour appearance. Um, And those are usually throughout the week, um, during the work day, visiting schools, hospitals, et cetera. Um, So that was definitely a big time commitment that I didn't necessarily expect. However, I did enjoy it. Yeah, it's, it seems like it would be something that you do for the love of it, because from the sound of it, it's like you got all this time commitment, all this practice, engagements, game day, but you still also have to keep a full-time job or be a full-time student on the side. Um, so was it really just the love of it that kept you doing it? You don't feel like you got that burnout from, or does it give you that type of energy to be engaged in this type of, you know, cheering on a professional level? For me, it was a hundred percent just about loving dance that much. It's a hobby. Yeah. And it wasn't, I never went into it thinking like, oh, this is going to be my career. Right? Mm-hmm. I didn't think of it as that. I think different, the difference between men and women is professional dancing is not a career, whereas football is, it really is a hobby. And I, I was good with that. I mean, Mm -hmm. so otherwise I would be doing what, like, you know, working out on my own versus this way I was getting paid to work out. Um, And I was getting to do it with friends that I loved and we had a great time together with like mindsets. And so I really always thought of it as a hobby that I just, and then like Paige and, and McKenzie, I love football. So I'm like, well, instead of paying me to go to the football games, I'm going to get paid to go to the football games mm-hmm. and I get the best seat that they're possible. That's true. That was just my outlook on it was it was always just something fun to do. Um, and I did it for as long as I could until my career started taking off to a point where I couldn't balance it all anymore. And so mm-hmm. then 
you know, obviously the career takes precedent there, but it was time. I was good with that. I'm talking about the the financial aspect of it and getting paid. So what does that look like if you guys don't mind sharing? Um, you know, I think from what I've read, there's contracts and then there's some kind of debate, I guess, about how much those contracts are and what that structure is like. Uh, I'll start. Um, I, we had a really great uh, coach and choreographer, manager, team manager, and uh, we got paid hourly. At the time, I think the minimum wage was like seven twenty-five. Um, mm-hmm. seven. And so the girls were paid hourly for practices and games and then appearances. It was a flat fee, hourly fee, internal appearances, um, were a different price value than external appearances, but our manager always did a great job of making sure we were paid on time, mm-hmm. what our contract stated. Um, and there were, I never had any issues with pay. Um, like Elizabeth said, I mean, it's a nice little, you know, gas money or running mm-hmm. around money, but you're definitely not killing yourself for $7 an hour. Um, but yeah, it was, it was, um, I never had any issues with, with wages or um, anything. And it was just a nice little, you know, basically like getting paid to do what you love and to have a hobby. So. Ours was exactly the, uh, almost exactly the same. It was hourly wage for practice games and appearances. So different is we didn't have a flat fee. It was all just hourly. Um, we clocked our appearances. We got paid mileage for appearances as well, like a very you know standard mileage rate. And then we also got reimbursed for some expenses, but we had um, allotments like our ha- hair, makeup, mm. um, other things that you might, I'm trying to think of what they might be right now, but like our hair, we didn't have to pay for it. Makeup, they gave us a, a certain amount in the season, some workout gears, tennis shoes, all of that kind of stuff. They're like anything you would basically need for, the job was provided and then the rate, the wage was hourly. That's a nice thing. That they Very did. consistent. I mean, it was just like, just like a normal hourly job. Yeah. I would say the same for the Ravens too. Minimum wage, um, hourly for practices and games. Appearances ranged anywhere from minimum wage, um, more for internal appearances, anywhere from maybe 75 or hundred an hour if it was a private appearance. Mm-hmm. Um, those were kind of few and far between. Um, and like Elizabeth said, we had a lot of perks. I mean, you still certainly put money into it, mm-hmm. but we had um, a percentage off of our hair. We had a gym membership for free um, with our sponsor. We had spray tans for free. So that all certainly helped. That's awesome. I'm just curious as to what your your full-time jobs were on the side of your hobbies like where you <laughs> I was thinking like this what were you doing to make ends meet <laughs> outside of yeah. dancing that takes up a lot of time it seems yeah. like it just listen yeah. to you guys and a lot of people think that this is our full-time job being a cheerleader um people are actually shocked when we mention that it's not our full-time job and that we mm-hmm. have you know Monday through Friday careers um so I'm an occupational therapy assistant and I'm also a regulatory audit and compliance manager in healthcare. What about you, Paige? What were, what were you doing? Uh, at the time, I was a full-time student. Okay, um, okay. And then I graduated in kind of the middle of dancing, and then I went into being a loan officer. So I was, in, I was in sales, and I could kind of control my own schedule. So that was nice. You either have to work for someone that is willing to let you off at 2 p.m. most mm-hmm. days, or... Um, <laughs> you know, be in sales or something that has a flexible schedule. So yeah, I was a loan officer for the the rest of my dancing career. Certainly need a boss that is flexible. Yeah. Also like (laughs) otherwise, no chance. Not going to (laughs) work. Or have a job that you get off at, you know, three o'clock. There were some teachers on my team and I was just always in awe at them because that is a long day. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Especially yes. to deal with all those personalities and then you have to come in. And deal with even more. <laughs> 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 yeah. What was the camaraderie like on the squad? Did you guys get along really well? Was it like a sisterhood, do you think? I think- For me, it was. And I, I think that goes back to... Um, having to have a full-time job or be a full-time student, just the type of person that is where I am viewing this as a hobby. Mm -hmm. I'm doing this for fun. Um, You're putting in work after work. So you have to really want to be there. So I think we did have camaraderie for that reason. Mm -hmm. Um, 
And then now, I mean, they're still my great friends. I mean, a lot, some of us still work together in our careers because I've gotten, we've kind of, someone got me a job and then I got someone else a job that was on the team. So now some of us actually work together, you know, 15 years later in our, in our career and we still get together. So I say post Texans, like I never would have known that going in, but that's the greatest part of it is the the friends that you have afterwards. It's almost like a sorority mm-hmm. and they're, they're great great friends and, um, fellow mothers now. So, networking. Um, I don't know. I, I <laughs> yeah. feel like over time they started to let you just let you do it at the student level. They reduced the age, I think from like 21 to 18 at some point. And, mm-hmm. and I think that changes I think dynamic a little bit only because, um, just less experience. Um, and then plus now with social media, I think it's made it more competitive because there's a new dynamic there of, of, um, you know, social media kind of changed. This changed life as we know it, right? Life as we know it has completely. So my experience was that it was amazing camaraderie, wonderful women, lifelong friends. And it was a really, really a great, um, experience. I would have a similar response with the Ravens and Elizabeth had so many good points that I could probably go on and on about in many different directions, but um, having the guys on the Ravens really evened everything out too, um, mm-hmm. especially when, you know, all of us girls were tired coming mm-hmm. from work and annoyed and just wanted to, you know, learn our stuff and hit it and get it done. The guys really balanced that out. Um, so that's something I definitely valued. We mm-hmm. also had a lot of veterans that were kind of like our parents that mm-hmm. um, in a good way mm-hmm. that would really take us in, work with people, calm people down, you know, give us that boost of energy when we need it. So mm-hmm. it was a really good balance. I still have some of my best friends I danced with. I just think when you go through something like that and all those hours of work and like Elizabeth said, women with the same mindset and you all really want to be there and you're all so motivated and determined. I think that, you know, you just click really well with the, the same type of woman as that. So um still really good friends to this day with a lot of the girls. Um, and yeah. And of course you're going to have times when you're all tired and you've been yeah. there for hours and some attitudes and personalities come out, but at the end of the day, we were all there to I mean, have fun. We had a blast and mm-hmm. nothing is more fun than game day. So yeah, they yeah, truly turned friends. into family too. Mm-hmm. It's like, you know, I've had teammates that were my bridesmaids and I actually met my husband when I tried out in 2015. So Sweet. they literally turned into family. <laughs> Sometimes. <laughs> wow. And so is there still that type of engagement after you stop uh, being on the team, like in terms of with the, the new teams that come in and over the, the different years of the squads and um, is there like activities that are generated so that each year everyone can engage with one another over time? We have alumni events um, that the Ravens put on. So they'll do um, like an alumni banquet, an alumni game um, where everyone goes to a game, watches the team practice beforehand um, and then watches the game and we'll meet up after the game. Um, so that keeps everyone close. And that's the way that the alumni can also meet the rookies and the new people on the team. Yeah, I think the Texans have similar a similar setup. And I think the girls that are, are closer to being in retirement or, or not on the team anymore probably help out with the actual team more often. And then just like anything, as time progresses, I think you start to kind of, you know, family and everything where it pulls you in a different direction, but there's alumni events and opportunities that they definitely put out there and it's on kind of each team member if they're going to participate or not. And speaking on just like being when you know it's time, when did you guys figure it's time to stop or like move forward with your lives? When did that happen? Yeah, I think um, like they always say you just know, like that's what kind of the going thing is with the girls is like you just know, like you'll know when it's time. And so my fourth season, I was kind of feeling tired, you know, I was getting my career going and I was just exhausted and, you know, um, dealing with appearances and things just kind of like, Oh, you know, how much longer do I want to do this? But then I was like, I just didn't quite feel it. So I went ahead and auditioned again for my fifth season and my, me and my best friend on the team together, she's like, I'm going to do it another year. You've got to do it again. I'm like, okay, I'll try out one more year, but this is it. And this is, we're doing it. 
And I'm so glad I did because I think if you stop too soon, then you always, you know, would regret stopping too soon because it's really hard to make it back again after you've taken time off and it's so competitive now. And um, so I think you just really got to know. And I just knew, and it was, I knew I could walk away knowing that I wouldn't want to go back or of course you miss certain aspects of it, but not missing it to the point of, you know, wanting to be on the team again. So you really just know, um, what about you guys, Mackenzie and Elizabeth? I thought I knew. Um, and then, and that would have been two years ago. Mm-hmm. And then that last playoff game came and went and we lost and we thought we were going all the way. And I was like, this is the perfect year like to go out on. And um, that game, I was so heartbroken. And that told me right away, you're not done yet. Mm-hmm. And then last year with COVID-19, the year was nothing like it used to be. Um, we still had tryouts and then everything else was virtual. So with that being what I wanted to be my last year, it definitely wasn't fulfilling as mm-hmm. far as the game day experience and um, the community experience. So obviously now I'm, my husband and I decided to start a family in December. So mm-hmm. I can't go back this year, right. um, but I do still have it in my mind that I would like to go back and have a final year if my body allows it. Mm-hmm. Um, but that's, you know, majorly depending on that. Yeah, I I would say that my experience was exactly like Paige's. Like I just knew I was ready for another season and and I maybe it's the five year mark. I don't know. Maybe that's just like <laughs> magic because the people that I know that did it for enough years feel like fulfilled and they love it and they look back with fond memories without having to feel that urge of, oh, I wish I had a little bit more time. Mm-hmm. But I, I do think for me the the sign was the appearances. Like I just couldn't take saying the same things over mm. and over one more time and when you start <laughs> and I like used to I be so gung-ho like doing like 60 appearances and then like my last year I was like at 20 something I'm like I can't do it like I cannot do one more appearance that's when you're like you're you're dying like you love the dancing part but the the other part starts to kind of wear on you even though it's fun it's all fun and right. it's great it just you know you just you just start to kind of uh, wear down it becomes less authentic in a way. Like mm. Elizabeth said, some appearances, it's like, oh my gosh, okay, I've done this for four years, said the same things. Mm. And you just don't feel like you're being as genuine sometimes. Right. So it starts feeling like you're in that job that you're just sick of, that you're not even I gotta getting go any enjoyment time. or enjoy- that's right. when you know it's definitely time to check all the way out. <laughs> because there's a lot of different aspects and I always love the community the community um appearances this is gonna sound Mm -hmm. so strange but sometimes we would go to Kroger and be like in the chip aisle because they Mm -hmm. would have a Fritos thing and you would just sign posters for fans which does not sound exciting but it was so fun because the little kids are excited and those are like the true fans and Mm -hmm. they're so happy to see like that part was always awesome but yes. sometimes you'd have to go to a corporation where you were just there for their corporate meeting. And then you have to just kind of talk to people. Those are more awkward. And even though it's a nicer setup and a, maybe a nicer environment, mm-hmm. it's much more awkward. And those were the p- times where I'm like, I just can't, I can't do that piece of it anymore. Yeah. The community piece and the dance piece is awesome, but doing the corporate marketing piece over time, just, you know, just gets monotonous. Yeah. And Elizabeth, you brought up a good point because this past summer, Mackenzie had a little get together at her house and one of our neighbors, she loves the Ravens, but she loves the cheerleaders. And she was just so overjoyed just to see all these cheerleaders in one place. And she seemed like, you know, she really looked forward to, yes, we look forward to the games because I love football, but to see another, a girl, she like, I can be that too. And I think Mm -hmm. a lot of times we miss that, that we are examples to these little ones and she just she was so happy and I was just so excited to see that and they were just very welcoming and I appreciated that just from you know the outside looking in yeah kind of taking a different turn on that um there's seems to be a trend lately of changing the dynamics of the teams um we've seen some all-female teams get replaced 
with co-ed teams. And sometimes it's maybe not in the greatest of fashions. So um, what do you ladies think about this trend and this change? I mean, certainly, you know, obviously we want to welcome more people to the table, but um, if you have any insights on what's going on in terms of this trend. Start by saying that some of these guys can dance way better than I can. <laughs> so I welcome them, but they're also making me look really bad. <laughs> um, but growing up watching the Ravens, they've always had a co-ed stunt team. Um, so that was always the norm to me that guys cheered as well and danced as well. Um, they don't dance for the Ravens, but um, I see it as not necessarily eliminating or replacing, but including guys, you know, it's 2021. They're just as talented, if not more in my case. Um, So I, you know, I'm all for it. um, And I think it just adds value to the teams. Yeah, I would say I agree. And I think, you know, it's taking it back more to similar to high school cheerleading. You know, there's, you have cheerleading and dance teams and, and, NFL has traditionally been more about the dance teams. There are the few um, like the Ravens that have a stunt team or like Paige was on the Rockets and they had a stunt team and a launch crew. So I, there's less room on the NFL field. Like, I I mean, there's, there's only a set number of sideline space, right. And then Mm -hmm. the cameras and everything. So I think that they'll have to get creative about how they include that, but you know, more game entertainment, I think is a great thing as long as they, and so hopefully they find it as that. And like we were talking about the cheerleaders or the dance team have really been brand ambassadors and part of the marketing team and extension of the marketing team. So I think if they can look at it as that way and and expand it and include guys in that dynamic and view it as, you know, team spirit leaders or team brand ambassadors, there's definitely a way they can make that work. Yeah. I think it's just kind of, it's good that they're kind of thinking of moving with the times um you know it is 2021 and kind of moving away from the traditional women only I think it's great to include men I mean there's tons of amazing male backup dancers so why not kind of put the spin of more of an entertainment aspect mm-hmm. to the dance teams and cheerleading teams in game versus you know maybe just kind of more to look at or pretty um, so yeah, I think it's great. And that way it's just, it's more of a, a true entertainment squad at games. So I, I think it's great. You guys yeah. speak a lot about appearances that you had to, you know, do throughout the season. Um, with that, what were some of the expectations, I guess, when you were doing those appearances, whether it be hair and makeup or just in general to be on the squad? So I, I'll, I can, I'll start. So they, I mean, anytime you're in, uniform there was I mean you had to you had to be completely professionally dressed and completely in uniform like very very um strict and structured and that meant just meant you needed to have all the pieces of the uniform I mean just like the players right like you have to show up to anything in your uniform looking completely together and then so I was like full makeup hair done which for us was hair down um Mm. however your style was but basically you know, however you would show up to a game looking professional and put together, that is how you had to show up to, to an appearance. And then, um, for us just in general, you know, they, you had a general look that, that you kind of got, I don't want, I guess you got hired for right. But I'm like, I had long blonde hair. Mm. That was my, that was my look. So generally I needed to show up to an appearance like I look like on the poster with long blonde straight hair or, you know, so, I mean, it wasn't really strictly, strictly mandated, but it was basically a general thing. Like you need to always look like this. This is your look. This is what people expect you to look like. And then just, but I mean, in terms of general appearance, you know, they expected us to be fit and stay in shape and stay looking like we did, like we looked at trials and, um, there weren't really any mandates for us beyond that. Like we didn't have weigh-ins. We didn't have, we didn't have, mm. a, we did not have an exercise routine that we had to do. None of that. It was, they gave us a gym membership. Like they, like you mentioned. Um, so it's basically like, you need to stay looking like this for the whole entire season. And when you show up to an appearance, you need to be representing the Texans looking like this, looking put together and professional. Yeah, for the ours was fairly basic. I mean, it wasn't anything like super rigorous or crazy. Yeah, we didn't have like 
Um, I mean, we had weigh-ins and stuff, but we didn't have like a set weight. We had to be, like Elizabeth said, we needed to maintain the look that we made the team with, which makes sense. Um, and we had to maintain the look that was on our headshots that we were handing out to people and signing for people. So I couldn't just go dye my hair red tomorrow. I still had to maintain the same image. Um, and with that, there was also the aspect of how you presented yourself um, at appearances, you know, that you were well-rounded, that you were educated, that you could hold a conversation with anyone. Mm -hmm. I mean, you're talking to people of all ages, all walks of life. You're talking to sober people, drunk people, <laughs> um, kids. Um, you know, you're interacting with people with disabilities. So you really have to um, hold a professional manner and really be able to show that you're interested in those people too. Like mm -hmm. we don't always remember that those people look up to us so much mm -hmm. when they're having a conversation with us and to show any bit of interest in them um, you know, you're representing yourself, but you're representing the team as well. Um, so you really need to be polished in that aspect. Yeah, to echo what Elizabeth McKenzie said, you were expected to keep your image through the season. Um, you know, weight fluctuation was not okay. Um, your look, like you're on your poster and, you know, your makeup and hair was expected to be done, especially at appearances and not forgetting any uniform pieces. Um, some girls got in trouble in the past for forgetting a belt or, you know, wrong shoes or something. But like Elizabeth said, just like the players show up to the game, um, you know, we're expected to, to show up in our uniform and have it together. Um, also, the, you had to be really well-spoken. So during our audition process, we had a, a big interview portion and you had to be able to, to speak well and, you know, enunciate and come across clearly and concise. And that was a big deal to our manager. And if you couldn't do that, um, kind of rep your, represent yourself well, because you are representing an organization, then mm -hmm. you would probably not make the team, even if you had all the dance attributes. Um, because at appearances, you're talking to CEOs or, right. you know, your people at your organization. And so they wanted it to be represented as best as possible. And so that was a big deal is just how well-spoken you were. Um, so that at appearances, they could trust you to represent the organization. And that speaks a lot. It's like that saying, you're much more than a pretty face, which mm -hmm. you guys all are. But I think sometimes people don't realize what really it takes to become, you know, these cheerleaders and dancers on these teams. It's not just being a pretty face. It's so much more. So I applaud you guys because there's a lot that goes into that. Absolutely. Fans always try to bring up the hard topics too. You know, like <laughs> they want to bring up whatever player just got in trouble, whatever's going on with the national anthem, any hot topic, you know that they're all just going to line up and talk to you and every person's going to bring it up and try to get a reaction. Mm -hmm. And, you know, you have to do a little bit of training, a little bit of education on your own and go into those very prepared and educated um, and kind of beat around the bush with your answers. Okay. Yes. Okay. I was about to say, like, what, what is the protocol when you having to deal with such a um, maybe a controversial subject that someone brings up to you? How do you deal with that since you do have to engage them? Being the cheerleaders, it's certainly not our job to address those issues mm -hmm. in any way, shape or form as much as we may have our own opinions and want to. Um, our coach and marketing team always directed us to, you know, kind of say, we trust that our organization is going to do the best they can or mm -hmm. make the best decision. Um, so to show that we have trust and support our organization no matter what um, and not get into details and then try to change the subject. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I understand that. I, I also wanted to, um, touch on a little bit of the current events that we've been seeing in the news um, because we're in this new era in terms of women having their voices heard, women being able to speak up about their experiences within the workplace. And, you know, I think it was maybe within the past few months, we started hearing stories about the Washington football team having um, allegations of sexual harassment by people in the front office and things of that nature when 
cheerleaders are being asked to, I don't know, meet with special clients or, you know, other CEOs or whatever the case may be. Is that something that you guys have seen within your organizations or heard about in other organizations in terms of women feeling like they are being put in compromising situations where they're being sexually harassed by, you know, men in power that are running these organizations? I certainly don't doubt that it's out there somewhere um, and their allegations are, you know, there's truth behind it. With my experience with the Baltimore Ravens, I haven't experienced anything like that. Um, We really have a great organization, as I'm sure the other ladies will say for theirs as well. And our director, our marketing team, our HR department, um, they're very, very strict. So there's no room for anything to even start leading in that direction. Mm -hmm. Um, So I'm... I'm thankful to be able to say that I don't have any experiences with that. I have the same experience. And I I think it it goes back to each team and each leadership and each culture. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I've read about the the Washington experience and it's very detailed. So it seems like they might have a very different experience, but with mine, with the Houston Texans, it was a excellent organization. They were excellent, excellent employers, no challenges with that at all. And I will also say that my coach was very, very supportive and had no tolerance for it. Um, So I felt like even if we would have been compromised in a situation that she would have stood up for us. Like I'd never had any doubt about that. And then we also always had security. And so we had security in our locker room on game day as we were getting dressed. They walked us to and from the field whenever we were at appearances on game day, because that's where there's so many people we had a we had a, a police officer, a Houston police officer, with us at all times. So they did a lot to protect us from the general public, and then internally, like just absolutely no issues, and I felt supported. So I mean, obviously that changes that culture is created internally. It depends on the management. It depends on the coach. There's a lot of factors there, but me personally, I always had a great experience with the Texans. Same goes for the Rockets. Um... Our leadership was top notch um, and our coach was, we had a very strict, no nonsense policy, especially with, you know, players or, and we were not allowed to follow players on Instagram or any social media. If you passed them in the hallway, you could not say hello, just because she did not want anything to be mistaken for, oh, the cheerleader dancer is, you know, in relations or whatever with the player. She wanted to nip that where and just know that we were respectable women and we, she wanted us to be respected. Um, and so when we would do suite visits during games and go visit the fans in the suites, we would always have an escort with us. And the only time that anything would be questionable would be a drunk fan in the suite, you know, maybe their hand is grazing and we would always correct them ourselves. We were allowed to do that. We were allowed to say, you know, please, I feel uncomfortable or please stop. This maybe happened one time. Um, but if we were ever felt uncomfortable, we had to go up, we were able to go to our escort and they were right there protecting us supporting us and not having any of that so luckily that's how you know it was at the rockets do you all think that a union for those organizations may be where the 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 culture is is not as um supportive would be helpful for those teams or it's really just up to the team and the people who are in the leadership positions within those organizations I mean, I feel like at a minimum that the, each organization should set, it sounds like there's some quality organizations in, in all professional sports, right? NBA and NFL. So it seems to me that they should have minimal standard, minimum standards of how all NFL teams, for example, operate their cheerleading programs, mm-hmm. you know, because I do think that there were some, from what I've heard that don't pay minimum wage per hour and that they were paying, let's just say a monthly wage and that monthly wage didn't cover all the hours that they were expected to be there. Because for us, if we ended up needing to practice extra, the extra hours were on our check. I mean, it was just like an hourly job check where, so, I mean, that's just basic fundamentals of running a business, right? So Mm -hmm. I think it sounds like if the NFL or NBA could just implement some very minimum standards of what those programs look like, it would go a long way. Yeah. And I would say the three of us, it sounds like we've all had great experiences and been very supported by our organizations. Mm -hmm. So 
probably for the three of us, that wouldn't be as big of a factor. Mm -hmm. Um, You know, if you were talking to someone who has gone through um, negative circumstances with their organization, they would probably say, yes, we need some kind of union, um, something to put a basis down. But luckily we have been, um, we've been lucky to kind of have that already and really not have to push in those areas. One of the things that that has come up, I feel like, is is the wage in general, and is it fair, and mm-hmm. for how much work you do, and and I, and you know, there's been lawsuits about how much the cheerleaders get paid or the dance teams get paid, and I, in my mind, we truly are a part of the marketing team. I mean, we're going to appearances, doing the really the role of a marketing position. Mm-hmm. We're on the field to to build the brand, so you would. I would think that to, to make it fair, they need to look at what does a comparable experience level marketing person make with the team and are the cheerleaders being paid that? Is the hourly wage the same? You know, is the cost per time the same? And if it is, then I then I feel like that, then that's fair, you know, but if, if the cheerleaders are making minimum wage, but you have an entry level marketing assistant that's helping set up the events, make 15 an hour, then I think that there needs to be a discussion about that because the quality of the expectations, like we just talked about the interviews, you go through the background checks, Mm -hmm. the level of expectation and professionalism from the cheerleaders is very strong. Like it's very Mm -hmm. great. So I think probably while the fair is, the pay is what it is and it's, it's kind of fair across the board, they at least need to look at how does that compare to someone in the marketing department and, and should the wage be brought up slightly to um, be more in line with what the expectations are. Yeah, I agree. Very well said. I'm actually kind of surprised to hear that um, the wages are only like minimum wage. You know, when I think of a minimum wage job, I, you know, in no disrespect to anybody that does them, but I'm thinking of, you know, more menial tasks, flipping burgers, something that doesn't take a lot of training or experience, but it sounds like you guys put a lot of effort, a lot of physicality into your job. And you also have these soft skills where you have to be able to communicate and network effectively with all different types of people. So just the vast amount of things that encompass your your job duties, I would think that it would be worthy of more than minimum wage. And minimum wage is not even a living wage in this country. So, and particularly given the fact that you're putting in so many hours on top of having to work other jobs to make ends meet. I mean, maybe that's a reason to get a union and get a better pay. I mean, if you're comfortable with it, Mm -hmm. there's nothing wrong, especially if you're just doing it for the love of it. But, you know, even when we're doing something for the love of it, when we put in a lot of time and energy, it's still a job, right? Even if it is a hobby, it is a job. You put a lot of time, a lot of effort, a lot of energy into it. So maybe that is an area that, you know, needs to be revisited. I feel like there's, there are a lot of changes needed across the board, not just, you know, on the side of cheer, just in general, there are a lot of changes needed across the board. But I think for women, especially because a lot of the times when it comes to this sport, it's more of, we're used as the face to bring people Mm -hmm. in. And Mm -hmm. I feel like if you're using me as a face, like, come on, give me a little bit more credit. And that's how I look at it. Like, give me credit. Like you're Mm -hmm. using me to get people to basically fund your organization. So I feel like, you know, a little bit more respect is deserved on that end. Absolutely. And I'm, I want to ask, um, I know a lot, most of you said, like, this is something that you did for the love, for the hobby of it. Um, for, the, for the girl that loves dancing and wants to make it like a lifelong career, um, would you say that maybe if they decided to get in cheering, there is opportunity for growth? Is there opportunities for getting into the choreography or leading the cheer squad? Like, what does that look like realistically? I think um, kind of career paths, I feel like are coach, choreographer, you know, studio instructor, owner. Um, and that kind of kind of ends there. Um, mm. I do think that when you do have your professional dancing experience or cheerleading it, you know, it gives you automatic credibility to pursue those careers. Um, mm. And I know that for the Rockets, 
both of our current manager and coach choreographer and then our previous one, they were both Rockets Power Dancers previously. Mm. So they hired, you know, in-house with girls, women that already had experience with the program and the organization. So um, I do think that it can help if you want to go in that direction and, you know, become a manager, work for an organization, sports team, or become a choreographer. Um, But it's definitely not like a professional athlete or something that has the opportunity to become, you know, get paid a ton and that be their main career and, you know, make a lot of money, um, even like a, a play overseas or something, not here. And um, so your kind of career pastor, I feel like a little bit more limited um, if you want to go in the professional dance cheerleading route, but definitely they're there. And I think it gives you credibility having the professional experience. And then also easy to break into the fitness world. I think it, it teaches you a lot of skill sets um, whether you want to be a personal trainer or own your, I know a lot, own your own dance studio. I've known a lot of professional cheerleaders that own and open their own business, um, instructors of various, just, you know, take a little bit outside of the dance space, but there are a lot of opportunities. And I always say that I wasn't expecting it, but my biggest, my greatest thing I, I take away from that other than the friends is the ability to speak to everyone. Like we said, like in the moment, I didn't think about it. But now I'm in cells and I can talk to anyone because it, I had to in that situation. So by the time I had to do it for my career, I was comfortable with it. And I'm, I find that super valuable. So there's things that you can take from it and, and use for your career, even if it's not an actual dancing career. And what are some of the, I guess, the pros and the cons in general, just being in cheer and dance professionally? I think the pros certainly outweigh the cons, which is why we've all done it for more than a year. Um, The people you meet, the memories you make, um, game day itself is a pro, just game day. It's awesome. Um, Running through the tunnel is awesome. Um, Being thrown in the air while the crowd's cheering. I mean, they're just, they're just feelings that you don't get every day. and the community aspects, like we've talked about so much, it holds a special place in my heart and is really what it comes down to at the end of the day. You know, you're cheering for um, football or basketball or um, whatever sport it may be. And the community part is where you're really going to make the most impact. Um, cons for me, the injuries. Um, I had a broken nose. I had two concussions. Um, one was major and I was out for a few months. Um, so that was hard. My body definitely got really beaten up. Did they, I'm curious, um, if you were injured in the line of duty, how does that work? Do they give you workman's comp? Do, do they have health insurance that helps you take care of those injuries? Yeah, luckily, um, you know, since we're hired part-time by the organization, mm-hmm. it's considered workers' comp. So all of the medical bills are covered. Um, you're still paid while you're out for practices and games. So definitely taken care of during that time. I think the pros, and I mean, the pros is, I mean, the, the experiences are irreplaceable. Like you could never get them anywhere else. Um, like one of the things that I got to do was, was as troops were leaving to go to Afghanistan, we were actually the last per- part at the plane, the last person they saw before they left, um, like after they said goodbye to their families, we were there for a pep rally for them. I mean, that's just an experience that was so life-changing and so many lessons for me. And there's so many of those things. I mean, I met President Bush and Barbara Bush. I met Aerosmith. Like there's so many more than I can count things that there's no way I would experience um, if I didn't do it. And then, like I said, the friends and then the lessons that I've taken that have made me a successful business person are invaluable. So there's so many of those things. I think the the con is that you are viewed as like a sex symbol to many men, right? And even though we know that we're athletes, the Texans outfits were very conservative. I did not feel uncomfortable in them. It was, you know, they were, they were not overly revealing, but in the, in the dances that we were asked to do were also not overly sexual or re- revealing, but just knowing, like now looking back as a mom, that that's the price you had to pay to have these experiences. It's frustrating in that society. And I think that's why 
many teams are trying to change it to make it more of entertainment based and less of a sex symbol based. But I would think, you know, that's, that's the downfall. And I think you, you have young women that want the experience. And so they're willing to go through that piece. And it's a matter of bringing a balance of making sure it's not overly sexualized and that they're treated with respect um, because it's not right that they're allowed to be viewed that way. Or if they're being put up with corporate, they think that they have to go to the hotel room of a corporate man just because they want this experience. And that is the balance that the, the, the teams are going to have to strike and why people speaking out about it is so much, whether you have a good experience or not, um, more teams need to get in line with the teams that are doing it correctly and look out for the young woman. Yeah. yeah. And to piggyback off of that a little bit and a little off topic, you know, you certainly have those appearances where alcohol is involved and fans are, you know, trying to slip their hand a little bit or, trying to, you know, I've had people where I lean in to get a picture with them and they try to kiss me on the cheek and, you know, it's, it's annoying for sure. And, um, but it, it does come with, you know, the job sometimes, unfortunately, and, you know, we stop it where we can and, um, whatever, if we have security with us, you know, they help out too, but that's something that it gets old really quick because, you know, you value yourself so much more than that. And that happens more than we'd like in those small instances. But I agree, that's definitely a a con that you kind of have to, you have to use a little humor, but also stand up for yourself and, you know, be like, all right, next picture, you're going to stand over here. (laughs) I'm going to stand here. (laughs) And I'm, I'm glad to hear that, Mackenzie. And I feel like a lot of times my question is, how, like how to deal with a situation like that. Because I know with me, if, if a guy were to do something where I felt uncomfortable, I don't know if I would be able to maintain my composure at that moment. So it's definitely good to hear, you know, how you've gone about it, you know, because I don't think I I couldn't do it. I'm being honest. I think I would have (laughs) lost my mind. So yeah, no patience, no patience. So yeah. How about you, Paige, on the, the pros and the cons? The pros, I mean, like the girl said, the experiences, just being on the court for playoffs and all these games, it's just you wouldn't trade it for the world. Um, I got to go to All-Star in Toronto. and It was Kobe's last All-Star. I got to perform for Drake and with Drake on stage. And um, it was just something you'll never forget. Um and then, like Elizabeth mentioned, I mean, it's kind of funny when you don't realize it. If you're you're so young and naive and just excited to be there that you don't really realize what you're wearing and these calendar shoots and poster shoots and that you are being viewed as a sex symbol. And I kind of look back on it now and I'm like, oh, gosh, you know, we wore that or that was revealing. And um, and so it's just funny kind of looking back. But it's just the balance, right, of wanting to be respected, um, as an entertainer and a professional, but also, you know, what you're wearing and you're required to wear and, and things. So it's, it's just a balance, but again, it's just so much fun and you just kind of put up with what you have to. And again, nothing went, you know, across the line with, with the rockets or anything, but just that balance, but the pros, I mean, the experiences and the friends and also, um, just, now when I interview for jobs, they're just, it's such a great talking point. You were at the Rockets. I mean, how was that like? And the skills that you do learn um, and just pick up and how to talk to people and it's invaluable. I have a question about with you guys being moms now um, and soon to be moms, how do you guys feel about your children possibly going into the industry of cheer and dance professionally? People always ask me that question. <laughs> I always get that question. So this is always my answer. I'm like, I always say, I hope I have one daughter. I hope Elise is doing something that is so cool and so awesome that it's not even thought in her head. Right. Like, I mean, it was amazing for me. However, I feel like she is so amazing that mm-hmm. I hope she's doing something totally different with great mm-hmm. experiences, like much past that. But that being said, like I said, I really believe I'm great in my current job because of my experience with cheerleading. And Mm -hmm. I'm not going to ever, 
act like I got here without that experience. Like I know I am where I am in my career because of my experience as a cheerleader. So if, I mean, obviously if she wants to do it, I think that's great. And I hope by that time, you know, the world will be a a more respectable place. So that way we all feel good about it. But um, overall, my experience was well, good enough that I would say I, I definitely would be supportive of that. I Although completely agree. Living in New York, doing Broadway or something. And <laughs> yes. Dancing yeah. in Houston. <laughs> With my husband and I both being cheerleaders and gymnasts, it's funny because we get that question a lot as well. And we're both like, um, we kind of hope she finds another sport. <laughs> you know, a lot of people start cheerleading and gymnastics and it's not common that you do make it into the NFL. Mm-hmm. So of course, if that's a, a goal and a passion and an ambition that our daughter has, then we're all for it. Um, but we'll let her come to us with that. <laughs> we won't put that bug in her ear. <laughs> well, I have a son. He's five months right now. Um, but I, I've been joking that, you know, he might just be a little backup dancer and, you know, dad wants him to play sports, but what if he wants to go on a dance and, you know, right. get mom's jeans, um, which I think then, you know, with these more interactive squads that they have now, I think it'd be so cool if he was, you know, a rocket's launch crew where they have B-boys and stunters, but, you know, if he wants to be on the dance team, then I say, go for it. And, you know, by then they probably have males on the dance team too. So bring it on. Nice. And so for the uh, outside of your own children, what would you advice would you give for any little girls or little boys out there who are aspiring to be um, dancers or who want to dance and or cheer at the professional level or young women who are getting close to that age where they're ready to to try their hand at it? My biggest piece of advice is always to do your research. Um, that's where I learned the most was you know, looking on social media, looking at the Ravens website, going to the games and watching them to kind of learn their style. Um, And also to reach out, you know, that's how I think I really made the most progress in the years of trying out. I reached out to people on the team. Um, Of course, I started dating Ben in the midst of tryouts, but um, really them taking me under their wing and giving me, you know, all of their advice, including me in the social aspect as well. I had a lot of people on my side that were um, helping me to achieve my goals. So I think reach out and more times than not, um, people on teams are going to want to help you. Yeah, I would just say to, to, you have to love it. Obviously, it has to be your passion. And you have to practice hard, but as we are all saying, to be well-rounded, that's real. Every team is looking for a well-rounded person. It's not just, that's with any team. It's not one certain school skill set. So it's important to be personable and a good team player and intelligent and work hard and, and all of, there's a lot of different things that go into it. So don't lose sight on it's only your dancing and capabilities. Yeah, I think uh, the girls said it really well and, you know, Search, be a well-rounded person and just stay in classes and you know stay active and um, really study what the, the organization's doing and not only with the dance team but also with um, what's going on with the players and the management um, that was a big deal with the Rockets we had to know who was traded that day who the CEO who the president was the GM if there were any management changes um, you know when we were founded so just being knowledgeable and again that kind of goes back into being a well-rounded person so work hard and always try because we have some girls on our team that hadn't danced in a long time but they were excellent professionals and like very unique skill set and they made the team because they were a good dancer but they were excellent in this area so you should just always try if it's your passion you have an interest you never know what could happen yeah and to piggyback off of that you don't always have to have a background in cheering dancing gymnastics Um, one of our best cheerleaders that um, I had the pleasure of knowing was a lacrosse player, a D1 lacrosse player, and <laughs> wow. she was talented as heck. So, you know, if you have a little bit of athleticism to you and you're well-rounded, like the girls have said, um, you still have a chance. You don't have to come from that background. Um, you know, if you're well-rounded and and you can really learn the team and the organization, you have just as much of a fair chance. 
No, I was about to say, those are all really, really great points. And um, I really just wanted to thank each of you, Paige, Mackenzie, Elizabeth, for like just taking the time to talk with us about, you know, your path and sharing, because a lot of times we don't know much about it beyond, you know, the beauty and, you know, the cute figures and the nice dances, but it's a lot of work that goes into it and a lot of transferable skills that can come out of it that people probably don't even know about. So we really, really appreciate you guys for taking the time to just share your experiences with us and give us a, you know, a different view of the game, you know, from your perspective. Thank you yes. for having us. Thank you. Fun to talk about it. <laughs> yeah, you I, guys. I start to forget some of this stuff truly. And so it's fun to like go back. Oh. And you know, just a random story too. Like you talk about transferable skills. So my best friend was working at, at KHU at my TV station first. She got me a job and then I got promoted and they hired another cheerleader for my job. That person's name was Lindsay. Lindsay got promoted and then we hired Sonia for that same job. Mm. And so they would joke and they had to be cautious of their words, but they were like, do y'all have any other cheerleaders? <laughs> They're like, we know they work hard, right? Like you have to have a great work ethic. The Texans have already fully vetted them because you have to go through a whole background track and all these interviews. Mm-hmm. Like they're pre-interviewed. Like if someone mm-hmm. wants a job, <laughs> so all these years later, Lindsay's the only one that's not still there. The other three of us are still there. And Selena won um, employee of the year for our whole entire company. And then me and Sonia are both managers and have been managers for a long time. And then the other girl that left, she just applied to come back. (laughs) (laughs) That was what they said. Like the cheerleaders are just pre-qualified and pre-interviewed because they have to go through so much to get those positions. Yeah. It just validates that point that you guys are so much more than a pretty face. You really are. Like there's so much more to each of you. And I think women need to realize that it's not all about just your outward appearance. There's so much more to us as women and what we can do and what we can bring to the table. Yeah, I'd like to echo the sentiments and we really appreciate you ladies coming on with us tonight and sharing your experiences. And we hope that um, for any girls out there who are interested in, in, dancing or cheering at the professional level that they've gotten a deeper insight. And then for everyone else who may not be interested, just getting a deeper insight into what it takes um, so that, you know, the perpetuated stereotypes can kind of be pushed to the side. With that, that wraps up another episode of Her Crown Podcast. And we thank you once again, and we thank you for all the listeners for tuning in. And we'll see you guys next week. Thank you for tuning in to this week's episode of Her Crown Podcast. And please subscribe, like, and share if you care. Until next time, let's remain supreme queens.